0: This episode is dedicated to the late Earl DMX Simmons, a man who fought with his sorrows but was never apologetic about his emotions. He shed tears, he embraced love and gave love. He expressed his frustrations wrapped in humble prayers. He needed tools, tools many times which seemed out of his reach. Men who have discovered and men who need discovering, healing is not out of reach, it is here. It is growing. So as usual, find a spot, sit back, sip some wine, whatever your vibe. And listen to the words and sentiments of a man who discovered a part of himself. It's one thing to discover your emotions and display them. Another is to effectively process and communicate them. Stay locked in. This around the way girl wants to chat with you. She's discovering new information in this world that surrounds her, tapping into her inner power, her sexuality, and taking ownership of her insecurities. She discovered she had to unlearn some things. Come and enjoy her moments of reflection, re-education, redefinition, and evolution. Kick back, sip some wine, take a drive, whatever your vibe. Join me, your host, Shay Sana, with She Discovered Podcast. So stay tuned, you might learn some things. I'm chatting with Yusha Asad a creative, lyrical, and insightful storyteller slash vocalist with over 20 years of experience in writing and recording music. Beyond making music, Yusha is also the CEO of With Great Care LLC, an international platform curator of entertainment, business, and education. I came across Yusha's page via an IG Live post about Black men discussing their emotions called Heal Me, Healing Conversations Amongst Brothers, hosted by Yusha, and I was instantly intrigued. Not too long after, I came across his single, Heal Me, featuring Grammy nominated RB artist Raheem Devon. And then I knew I wanted Yusha aside on the show. And I'm glad he responded to the call, because as you know, I'm always an advocate for men tapping into their emotions and becoming self-aware. So listen to these insightful lyrics before we get started.
1: See my father never talked too much, just that look in his eyes, deep stares out the window. Told me that life was simple, but I would never know what he would never reveal. A sharp look in his face was pain he would conceal. He inadvertently taught me that real men don't feel. So don't follow your heart. Use it to advance your cause But always follow your thoughts And make a smart decision You should barely apologize And never ask permission That's And right. when the world does a thing To try to break you down Don't tell a soul They waiting just to take your crown Your woman gon' think you weak If you express your pain express Your going gon' say you sweet Though they be feeling the same So get a vice A couple Hennessy cigarette Live your life Whatever you gotta do To get sleep at night Cause for the longest You probably ain't sleeping right or even slept at all And when God calls Don't fight it Take a sigh of relief But you ain't gotta Live no more in this grief Yeah, yeah The cruel world That we living in Is hard and cold You ain't a man Till it scars your soul Straight up So don't ever Express your feelings through we'll sit in silence Cause the only feelings You get are anger Hate and violence But see the system Got a process And a plan for that Time is the only thing You got So never hand them that So if you ever Truly feel like You about to break Get you a pencil And a note but your mind, escape. mind escape. Writing is the only place where so we can feel free. free. After he died, I read his notebook. He wrote, Hail me. Hail me. Yeah. Hail yeah. 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 me. Followed understand.
0: Help me understand the story behind the song, Heal Me, and the creation of it.
2: Allowing myself to kind of revisit my memory of my father allowed me to write Heal Me, right? So it wasn't like a plot. Like, I didn't plot the song out. I just started writing. And that's what came out. And so the the song itself is just the story of how I saw my father process and not process. My father died of lung cancer. Strong dude. Good father. He died in 2008. And, you know, the song details kind of like all these lessons, these these unspoken lessons that I learned from him as a black man about how to deal or cope with pain or not deal. To be able to write music from a real and authentic place, I have to be tapped, just tapped in in a certain type of way. Like I got to be able to just really be able to connect. If not, then a lot of the writing will. You just be very like um uh, it'll be high level just in my thinking but it won't it won't sit deep like it won't I agree it, because of some things that had happened in my life I had begun to internalize the idea that I don't have feelings. I'm like I don't have feelings. That was something I you know I would say people would say man I hope I ain't, man I hope I ain't hurt your feelings. Like don't worry about her, my feelings. I ain't I ain't got no feelings. Like I'm good
0: Ooh, I've heard that too many times. Yeah.
2: And it worked it was an affirmation that worked for me for what i wanted which was to not allow myself to be disturbed or bothered really operating in a sense of just like not taking things personally not not really allowing things to really bother me and it worked right it kept me you know healthy and well and focused on where i wanted to be until it came time to do my album in order for you to do music at that level you got to be able to feel i was having a, a really hard time just connecting to emotion I hadn't even really experienced emotion in a while and so uh, for me to even be able to tap into that I had to really just start digging deep for myself to really get to a place of like understanding how I was feeling what I was going through and how I even got to the place I was at and the way that I did that was I had to tap into the things that still bothered me most and one of them was my father where I'm from the town that I'm originally from is a small city called Reedsville it's in North Carolina and uh, it was a store, on um, Highway 87. It's a store called the Express Mart. My dad, every day he drove a truck. After he got off, he would go to the Express Mart, get him a cup of coffee, get him a pack of cigarettes, and sit at the table and just decompress. And uh, if you watched him on a day when his spirit was high, he might smoke one cigarette, two cigarettes. If you watched him on a day when he was dealing with something, the evidence of him dealing with something was the amount of cigarettes he smoked. When I was writing that song, one it was from an emotional place, like a, a painful place of being like, "Dad, like you didn't process your healing correctly. You used your vices, and this is how it affected you. Like your vices killed you. Mm-hmm. The thing that you went to to make it through each day was the thing that was killing you every day." But we grew up in rural North Carolina, you know what I mean. So like, when nobody talking about, you when know, nobody talking about no yoga, no deep breathing, and no meditation, it was therapy. I was talking about therapy, all the only people that went to go see therapy were people who it was believed that if you were send a therapist, all your screws, you'll, you have some loose. It's loose.
0: loose. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
2: The elevator didn't go all the way to the top floor if you were seeing a therapist. So the, the, common, the common thing was take your burdens to Jesus. Right. All your sins to bear. And life is supposed to be suffering. That was mm. the thought process. Life is supposed right. to be in. Jesus suffered. So why are you trying? Why do you think you ain't going to suffer? So it was- Correct. You suffer, and then you die. And then when you die, hopefully you get heaven. I watch my dad, but I'm not just him. I watch other men, you know what I mean? From from whether it was cigarettes or alcohol or drug addiction, turning to devices because they need something to, to deal with the amount of, of responsibility. Some people call it weight or depression. Mm-hmm. It's responsibility. It's right. the amount of responsibility that they feel and their ability to, to handle it or not handle it and, and how they make it through day to day without without having an emotional breakdown which for men a lot of times the emotional breakdowns look like fits of anger.
0: Did you begin your healing process through that song or do you believe as a man you were already working through your emo- emotions before?
2: I was already working on it. I mean that's how I kind of how I had got there right so you know one of the toughest situations I've ever dealt with in my life happened when I was like around the the, uh, the closure of my marriage because I used to be married right so one of the toughest situations I dealt with was around that. So my healing process had already started because I was stepping into what it really looked like to, to love myself affirm myself to understand my own power and to walk in that. The mistake that I was making though in affirming myself was not every affirmation was good. What do you mean? Particularly that affirmation that I don't have feelings. I'm not going to say that that was a bad affirmation, but I think there's good and bad and everything. And that particular affirmation, though it made me strong and it made me continuously affirming it to myself and beginning to believe that about myself Allowed me to kind of avoid some of the emotional responses that people typically give to, to things. It, it kind of almost made me impermeable. Like that, like yo, like you you seem to not be phased by anything. That was good. That's the good part to that. The bad parts of that was that and me not knowing it made me emotionally unavailable for the present. Emotionally unavailable for people, or emotionally unavailable for the things that I wanted to do that required me to tap into my emotions to be excellent in it. leadership music, Mm -hmm. creativity.
0: Because I'm hearing you. And although I understood in that moment what you what you're saying in the sense that it enabled you to be nonchalant or let things roll off your back, right? To say, I do not have feelings. But to say to oneself, I do not have feelings, to me, it feels like it removes your humanness. So I think it's a difference between saying, I do not have feelings compared to, I have feelings, but I know how to control them. I know how to discern them. I know when and when not to respond to a certain situation but like you said in that moment it enabled you to deal with certain things and find power within yourself would you say till this day use that affirmation but use it in the sense of empowering no
2: nah, i don't use that affirmation at all i don't i don't affirm that i don't have feelings anymore i um mm-hmm. where i'm at right now in my life is that i'm finding balance because the ba- but the balance that's right for me one thing I had to deal with was so many people making judgments um, about how I respond or don't respond to things. And me seeking to like dispel that thought, like, no, nah, like I I, I feel. Mm-hmm. I, I care.
0: Yeah. I know.
2: And then me also realizing, you know, a certain part of me cares about what people think because of how because of my my heart, because of how I care for people, how I love for people. But the other side of that. The balance part of that is like, you know, I, I want people to be able to see that I, you know, I do have feelings and I know how to communicate. Like I have great emotional intelligence. The other side of that is like, I'm going to be real. I've been through some really, really, really tough things in life. And and everything that I've been through, the creator has delivered me. I mean, difficulties, not think that like shouldn't be here difficulties. I don't get phased by a lot. And I think the balance for me is me being able to just tell, you know, being able to make sure that I'm I am tapped in to certain things enough to, sh- to show people emotional when they need it. But also simultaneously being willing to just look people at the eye and be like, you, I don't care <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how you feel about mm-hmm. how I respond. You think a major are major or small to me and not that your problems are small to me. But when those things occur for me, they're small to me because okay. of where I survived.
0: When I think I'll just share a little bit of my experience when I think of black men and their emotions, I think of growing up in the hood. I think of hood culture. You don't feel. You man up. Don't show your don't show your emotions cuz that's straight up weakness. Don't show your girl too much emotions cuz that's also weakness. And it's like everything that life throws at you, you got to just eat it. The moment that you show an ounce of Vulnerability is the moment that you open the door for you to be taken advantage of, right? So even guys that I dated had that type of mentality. That even an ex of mine, him and I had a conversation on the podcast because we're still friends, and people were like, "How are you still friends with your ex?" So we had a conversation, and that became an episode. And he said that he was like, there was a point that he, him, and I had a a discord because I wanted more vulnerability from him. But to spite me, he desired to tell me how he was feeling. But based on hood culture, it's like, yo, I want to tell her how I'm feeling, but I've been so trained to not show emotions. I don't even know how to formulate it into words to tell her that I care, to tell her that I see what she's going through. So instead of that, I continue to close off from her, you know, and even with Men in my family, or maybe not my family, but within my culture, Caribbean culture, because I come from a Haitian background, you will find many children from older Haitian parents that will say, my parents, not my family, but my parents didn't tell me they loved me. Or my father didn't tell me, I should say, that he loved me. For him, his love was, I provided for you. I put a food on the table. You know what I mean? Your school fees are paid and everything. And that's my love towards you. I don't really need to constantly show you affection. And these are children that are growing up in the home saying that, yeah, my father took care of me, but I never understood if he even liked me, if he even cared about me. And even wives got used to their husband's not showing that much emotion outside of the sexual act and i've also heard men say their way of showing love or showing affection was through sex because that's the only form of intimacy that they understood to go deep with so i think we're in a in a place right now, that I am happy to see that Black men, young and old, um, or even in our age range, that are taking to the time to say, yo, I got some real messed up, Shit, that I need to deal with. You know what I mean? Some deep rooted, either father issues, either hood culture things that I've been taught to believe was right. From what I've seen, hiding emotions just invokes, like you mentioned, anger, invoking this type of numbness, personally growing into who you are today, or even the continuous journey. What did your healing or your understanding of embracing your emotions look like?
2: And I think there's a truth that we need to make sure that we acknowledge is that we we do be in our head. We be in our head. That's part of our leadership. That's actually part of our superpower. You know, when I when I think of man and woman, and you know, anybody can agree or disagree. That's their perspective. But when I think of man and woman, I think of head and head and heart. I think, you know, women do be in, naturally be in your heart a little bit more mm-hmm. and then naturally be in our head a little bit more. And I think mm-hmm. part of that is so that we can make sound decisions that are based off logic and reasoning and not necessarily based off how we feel. And for men, I think it's important for us to have enough enough emotional intelligence to allow ourselves to have compassion and sympathy and sometimes empathy so that our, our decisions are not so much rooted in our own head that we miss the opportunity to consider how to love somebody in a decision. What my healing has taught me is that If I want to make sure that I'm making a sound decision that is rooted in logic and good reasoning, but also has compassion before I make the decision. I just ask myself one simple question. How can I make sure that I exhibit love in this choice? But the rest of the choice still needs to be rooted in sound logic and reasoning and not based off how I feel. The difficulty right coming up is that older men know this but they know it to an extreme. They know it to the extreme of your feelings don't matter anyway. Don't nobody care. Ain't nobody listening. It ain't like somebody going to show up to help you. You know, I think, and I'm going to push the envelope. I think women, women are having these conversations with men about, we want you to be more emotionally more tapped into your emotions so you can be healthy. But I think that also comes in part because women are pushing this, this connection to men a lot more. And then brothers are following suit. Your man you got to stand on your own. This world is a jungle. And to some extent,
1: nobody's
2: going to check on you or for you in a particular type of way.
0: And you're saying that's the black male experience.
2: That's that's the black. Right. And it's not. I'm, I'm also one of those people who are careful to be like, nah, that's not the that's not the experience for everybody.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's
2: not the experience across the board, because there are people who will check on you in specific type of ways right for the most part the overall thought of the black man is ain't nobody gonna do for me i come from rural south where you know there are women who go get it but there is ultimately a thought as a woman like you can get married and and have some support the idea for men is like i'm not gonna get married and get support i'm gonna get married and have more responsibility period and those of us who are men who, who really deal with the world and leadership that's the feeling, like, I, and I know for me personally, I know what it feels like to, like to never be checked on because everybody assumes that I have it. And my truth is, I had it. But to never be checked on also means that like, I got it, I'm good, I'm solid over here, I'm great, I'm working and winning. But when you call me with your problem, it's a lot harder for me to hear you because there was nobody there for me last week when I had mine. And it's not that I don't want to show up for you, but if you come to me and you ask me for help and love through a problem i don't know what that feels like
1: i don't Mm -hmm. even know
2: what that looks like Mm -hmm. the only thing i can tell you is what i know to do hey man pick your head up you know what i mean and and get back to it it's gonna look everything changes the storm don't last forever stay motivated keep it going (sighs) yeah because that's all i know i don't know what it feels like and and i do now right i do now but i'm speaking in terms of the black male experience no of course yeah like for somebody to be like I got you past a certain age. Because mm-hmm. when you were a kid, you know what I mean? If you, got a good, if you got a good parental structure then your parents are there for you. But once you get manhood, you find out very quickly that the majority of the world will show up for the women. Mm-hmm. There's programs. Like I even, you know, I worked in workforce development there's programs for the women. There's different things. But if you a dude, life gets tough after 18 and you really just get to a point where you realize that your te- your tears don't feed you. Your breakdowns don't feed you. Your emotional conversations mm. don't feed you. And ain't no um, and and people ain't running to be like, no, I got you. You get the advice that I'm that I'm giving. Hey man, pick your head up. You know what I mean? It's cool. Just keep it moving. Ain't hey, no need to crying about it, bro. You know. Mm-hmm. But once you start dealing with your own healing, you understand like it's abnormal to not feel supported. It's not right. human. It's not human to have support to not have support. So when we talking about black male healing, we literally talking about people who for years. Don't feel heard and don't feel like their pain is considered or a concern for people in a healthy way, you know. Plus, we grew up in the hip hop era. You grew up, sounds like you, you know, you grew up in the hip hop era. So, talk about it. People know too much about you, you end up in somebody's freestyle, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. They
1: put your whole, they
2: put your whole life on the mixtape and and clown you and and call you all types of names in front of everybody in the hood. There's no space to express anything that isn't that is considered weakness because you would have ended up losing the battle.
0: I was listening to another podcast because I'm I love podcasts and I love audio books and all those type of stuff. And what was mentioned was one of the. They didn't even say the top reasons. They said these were the reasons that you usually do not find the Black men in the family structure is due to incarceration, due to murder, and due to the welfare system. Now, I do agree with all three, especially with the welfare system. If people are not familiar with that, during the 60s, there was like a welfare reform. And it was basically this rule that came into place for man in the house rule, meaning that for poor income family or low-income families, that the man was not allowed to be in the home. Because if they saw a two two-party home, basically your welfare would have been cut off. So for the most part, a lot of Black men were not in the home. And that continued uh, for years where I read an article that said in nineteen by 1983, about 55% of Black homes did not have the father in them. And although I agree those are valid reasons, I also think that there are more reasons that the Black man was not in the home. And when I was thinking about it, I said, what about trauma? What about feeling unworthy where the Black men felt like, you know what, I'm not worthy enough to raise a child or be the man you need me to be. So I can't even continue a life with you. And I just rather be absent or even the lack of Tools for the black men to understand how to even operate in a family structure. Like you said, there's no therapy. You don't even have examples of other black men because, like you said, you guys are talking to each other and you realize, oh yeah, you screwed up too. And then for the most part, I love the con well, I don't love the concept, but I love the book that I read, which was based on um Willie Lynch, right? And then you see the idea of the black men being put inferior to the Black woman, that's how you break up the family unit. Put the Black men against the Black woman. Cause a discord um, between them and even put the young Black men against the older Black men so they don't even have an example of what true manhood looks like. So although I truly believe that, yes, incarceration, the welfare reform and, and murder... Are valid reasons, but I, I feel like we don't tap into these other elements that I just mentioned.
2: I mean, when you think about the Willie Lynch letter, right? You think about you think about the process of the biggest man on the plantation. We know this through that letter, the biggest man on the plantation being subdued in front of everybody. Yeah. Tied to two different horses, beat, beating mm-hmm. the horses until they run and then rip the man apart and then setting him on fire and doing this to the biggest man on the plantation. Watching this, this puts fear in the heart. Now, what what happens is this fear, we notice, is then transferred to the mother. She empowers her daughter because she needs to teach her daughter how to manipulate master's system. But she weakens her son because it is her belief that if he's too strong, he will be used or he will be beaten or killed. And so this demasculization of her her son is to protect him, Mm. to keep him quiet, to get him to, to not be expressive. The the more that he can, and not allow that to be an outward thing, then the yeah. more she protects him. And then if you look at if you look at society in a whole, the only emotion that men are allowed to express without having their manhood attacked is anger. With anger is that everyone's afraid of an angry black man, mm-hmm. including the black woman. How many brothers have simply out of anger raised their voice and get the police called on them? So we learn not to be expressive at all. We learn to run away. What do I mean? We might not necessarily, some men leave the family. Other men might not leave the family. They just got to take a walk. I got to leave. I don't want to convert. I don't want to converse because I'm not allowed to respond emotionally to the conversation. But you are. You're a woman. You're allowed to respond emotionally to the conversation. You can get loud. You can get frustrated. You can cry. And I'm supposed to respond to that. But the moment that my frustration comes out, I'm abusive some dudes do get abusive we not we not but i'm
1: talking about the level of fear that is connected to a black man's expression his frustration and his anger frightens people even though he ha- he may have no intention to lay his hands on anybody there's no place there's no place where
2: your anger or any emotional expression for you is safe to release except for a boxing ring, a football field, basketball court. I have a I have a desire to see brothers just have emotional intelligence. To some extent, the emotional outbursts aren't good. They aren't good. I mean, we, we create more pain sometimes when we express the emotional outburst. And sisters do it too. And and then it's it's more acceptable and it's it's supposed to be okay, right? Because I've seen I've even seen like women get mad and attack the man, like literally attack him. And if, if he shows that he's hurt. He weak. And there's there's no there's no space for him to express because if he expresses in return, then he's weak. Even being black men who are healing, we still don't feel the need or do we feel it wise to be too emotionally expressive. We need to get to a place where we understand how to express joy, how to express love, pain and frustration. Take that to your therapist. Because now we're talking about vulnerability and where, you, and where you can actually be vulnerable with and who you can be vulnerable with. And the truth is, we are, we're still leaders and we understand that. And with leadership, you still got to be able to respond and operate on a high level of consciousness and, and awareness. Tap into your emotions enough to be able to express joy and, and love and excitement with your family. But when you are truly frustrated, mm-hmm. don't go to your cigarette, don't go to your weed, don't go to your liquor, don't go to your gambling, don't go to your women, go to your therapist. Now we're advocating for you to get a therapist because that might be the only place where you can really say what's on your mind Mm -hmm. and not be judged.
0: That is true. However, I believe that you provided a beginning stage for men, right? With your IG live conversations that you were having. And that was, or that is the the next segment that I want to get into is how do we structure this change? And based on your conversations, which was called Heenan Conversation Amongst Brothers, those men maybe were not able to go to a therapist, maybe some did. But the fact that you provided a platform to say, you know what, let's have a conversation about our feelings. Let's have a conversation about our trauma. Let's have a conversation about what angers us. What are the things that we as men go through on a day-to-day basis? I find it that for myself, even though I don't go to a therapist, I have a sisterhood with certain females that I can actually sit down, release, be myself, no judgment. And that is my form of therapy. So even though I do agree with therapy, I think also that as men begin to heal, that they're able to even disciple to one another to be that outlet. If they're if that man is not able to go to therapy yet.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, and and I agree with that too, right? We talked about it's real, I call it wise counsel. So we can call it, you know, it can be therapy. It can be your homies. I'm learning more and more and more that you definitely should be able to have some conversation with your homies. But it's still conversation that you can't have with your homies. I wasn't an advocate for therapy before I started doing the Heal Me and campaign. Like, I wasn't necessarily not an advocate for it, but I wouldn't know, like thoroughly push it because I hadn't went. Um, but I started going last year and uh, I quickly found purpose in it. Okay. Um, and the purpose that I found in therapy was not that anything was wrong with me, per se. Like, I'm a well organized brother in a well oil machine to a certain extent. But I realize that there are conversations that I need, there are things going on in my head that I need to talk through, that I need a sounding board that allows me to do that and knows how to guide me through that process. Uh, to me, that's the technical side of therapy that that your homeboys may not have. Like your homeboys mm-hmm. can come with all different types of advice or all this other stuff and and or they might not even be able to really tap in and listen. But your therapist is trained is supposed to be trained to ask the right questions to guide, to guide you through the thought process. Mm-hmm. So I, I suggest using therapy in a sense of just of helping you be able to, to work through what's going on in your head. To slow down and, and to get to a place of, of good sound logic and reason. Like women, y'all do that. Y'all, y'all have powwows, y'all have wine. <laughs> y'all, y'all wait to make it.
0: Listen, there's a difference between me talking to my homegirls and re-releasing, but there's a difference when you have certain individuals and in true sisterhood where they can be your soundboard because she has also done her healing. So she can provide, I totally understand and agree what you're saying with the technical aspect of having a therapist, but based on her experience, even though it's not my own, but there's a type of wisdom that she can give me based on the healing that she has done or the experience that she has done. I have homegirls, but I have specific female friends that I talk to about certain things because not only do, like you said, they don't judge me, but they listen They truly take time to listen. At the same time, while listening, they can kind of keep me accountable as well. Like, Shay, I hear you, but this is where you were wrong. And this is where you need to tap in. And Shay, I hear you. You're hurting and I'm here to take your pain. Release on me, per se, without burdening that person, but taking that moment to be like, I feel you and I'm here for you you know? So of course us girls, we love chatting, sipping our wine, but there's a difference where I'm like, ha hey, ha hey, key keying with my homegirls and actually sitting with a sister. And I'm like, yo, this is some deep stuff I'm going through. And I need a sound mind to talk to. I would ask, what do you believe the, the Black woman or the woman in general can do to help the Black man continue on his journey of healing?
2: For one, I think we're all getting there anyway, right? I, there's an energy that exists in the world right now that is calling people to heal. Correct. Those who are stepping, it's almost like a, people are are stepping up to find love and are healing and are elevating. And those who aren't are getting deeper into what it feels like deeper into levels of darkness. And I think it's just it's an opportunity for us to all heal. The way I see black women really helping the process though is that black women are making therapy popular. Because uh, before Brothers was going, it was women. It was women who were going to therapists and being like, nah, you know, even in my life, like I I went to go see a therapist primarily because um, the Heal Me campaign actually helped talking to all the brothers that went. But I I just knew sisters who were just making, they were normalizing. It. Yeah, I talked to my therapist last week. And I remember the first time my sister told me she was talking to a therapist. I was like, mm-hmm. crazy. like you <laughs> Yeah. I didn't voice that out loud, but like you mm-hmm. said it the more it became normal. And so I think that Black black women is going to be the key to healing our community because y'all are going and you're normalizing it. And then because you're going, you're responding to men differently. And because you are healing, men are getting an opportunity to get reactions from you that allow us to feel like we can trust you with our thoughts and the responses that you know, y'all are able to give that are wrapped in love Mm-hmm. that are wrapped in truth for yourself mm-hmm. and for that person. Like, because the best thing you could do is speak the truth, speak your truth, operate in your truth.
0: Amen. Yeah. But
2: yeah. in a way that is still understanding
0: mm-hmm. and
2: graceful to the next person. How powerful is it for a woman to understand her triggers, mm-hmm. to be triggered by a man, but to know that, It may not have been that man's intention to hurt you. It's just the thing that he did is a trigger for you. And to then have a conversation about, hey, when you did such and such, it triggered me. I took some time to understand why it triggered me. It triggered me because of this. One, you could help me by if it's something that he could easily change, right? But it's not just about changing it. It's also about saying, love me through this black man. And the reason why I say that's so important, and it goes both ways, right? Brothers I was about to say to that. Their, yeah. Yeah. Brothers were able to understand their triggers too. But you you asked me about the system. Because for so long, we have been a community that lacked trust altogether. So when you get triggered, you don't understand that what, what the person did, you don't understand your trigger. All you know is that that person did something and it made you feel bad. And I don't
0: trust so them.
2: Right. You don't now you don't trust them. Instead of us tapping into ourselves and being like, why did that make me feel bad? What happened to me in my life or what has happened to me in my life that made that particular thing make me feel like this? We don't do that, we attack the person. We're making relationships difficult because we're attacking the person instead of understanding our own triggers. And right. because women are stepping into the healing space collectively in your powwows. <laughs> and, you're, and you're waiting to exhale moment with your girl <laughs> uh-huh but because y'all are stepping into the healing space you're responding to us with love and brothers are taking back like oh you you ain't gonna yell you ain't gonna handle oh you really gonna talk through this oh i can i can tell you stuff and you're not you're not gonna jump off the deep end damn man maybe maybe i can get some of this, this I, I might need to get a therapist then
0: I wrote something down when it said, what can the the Black woman do? And I wrote, and we're known for that, but I wrote nurture, patience, accountability. And there's a way to keep a man accountable, right? Not demeaning him. When you mentioned everything in love, I thought about the famous verse in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13, the chapter about love and People love to use it at weddings and for couples and so forth. But when I think about the elements that are deemed to be loving, let's take it outside of just romanticism and let's just put it under the umbrella of human connection. And when you look at that verse, you see the elements that you're talking about, like long-suffering, which is basically patience, kindness, gentleness, not envious, not jealous. Even though I asked the question about Black women or women to Black men. But like you said, if we are able to even tap into that principle of love, how much more then are we able to open the door for healing for one another, especially between the Black man and the Black woman in the family structure? And then you can continue on into relation structure and then you could start tapping into the family structure based on that principle. I'm going to say a word and I want you to describe it based on how you used to think and based on how you think currently. Okay?
2: This requires vulnerability. So,
0: Yes. I'll I'm
2: I'm give it to you. I'm going to be vulnerable.
0: The word satisfaction.
2: Unrealistic.
0: And that's before, right?
2: That's before.
0: Mhm. Uh
2: and now truth. I I connect satisfaction to truth. If you operate in your truth, you will always find a way to find satisfaction in the things that you do. But before, satisfaction seemed unrealistic because who deserved to have satisfaction? But I don't believe that no more. I believe that you make your life, you make your world, and you do that by operating in your truth and standing firm in what you believe in. Anger, Uh, weakness.
0: This was before?
2: Yeah. Uh, And now, human expression.
0: Why did you see it as weakness before?
2: I was raised by dudes who taught me to never let anything anybody do to ruffle your feathers. Like, even to a certain extent, I was told to, like, even if you got to bust somebody's head wide open, don't allow your facial expressions or your outward emotion to identify what you were going to have to do. Mm. I didn't want anybody to have motives. I wasn't allowed to feel like any type of outwardly frustration or expression in any way, shape, form, or fashion was okay. Mm -hmm. Because men don't let people get to them. But now I understand, man, it's just human expression. You got to find a safe way to let your anger out. Go ax thrown or something.
0: Vulnerability.
2: Weakness. And now I see vulnerability as
0: trust. I understand the weakness. Break down the trust part for me.
2: Vulnerability, by definition, could mean weak. means, by definition, to make yourself susceptible to being hurt. So you don't want to be vulnerable with everybody and you don't want to be vulnerable everywhere. Mm-hmm. That's just the truth. So where do you want to be vulnerable? Where you can trust. And that's why I call you know, to me, it's synonymous with trust because when you truly trust somebody and they've proven that they can be trusted with who you are, with the level of vulnerability that you've offered to them, then be, be vulnerable.
0: Anxiety.
2: Previously, a lie. Right, like unreal. Just think that stuff exists and you're told that like stuff like anxiety and people having anxiety is people trying to get attention. That's you know, black community stuff. Now I think that anxiety is just unresolved issues.
0: Yeah, I guess because I'm I'm thinking personally for myself, like times that I've felt anxiety. And I guess the most recent anxiety that I felt was just beginning this podcast. Uh, the thought process of is this going to be good? Um, Are people going to be receptive to it? Am I even supposed to be doing this? And I think in the beginning of planning this podcast, a lot of things started messing up in the beginning. And I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even start yet. And everything is messing up. And I started to feel, yeah, you know what? I shouldn't do it. Or I felt like this tightness in my chest. And I think the tightness came from I know there's a love that I have behind this project, but why isn't it working out? Because I'm a planner. So if things don't go as planned, sometimes I get a little frazzled. But I had to sit with myself. Literally, I turned off all the lights in my room, sat with myself, breathe in, breathe out. And I said, where are these thoughts coming from? Why do you feel this way? Why are you feeling that you're incapable of doing this? And why are you letting just a couple of mishaps deter you from what you know you should be doing? And at the same time, do not allow the initial responses of individuals to basically define what you're doing in this moment. Granted, yes, we love validation. We like people to say, oh, your podcast was dope. I enjoyed it. You know, we we like that. We like feedback. But I had to say to myself, despite any external thing, you need to do this in this moment. I took another breath. I turned on the mic. I just started. So I totally understand what you're saying with unresolved issues. Cause I guess when you first said it, I was thinking of it like major unresolved issues. But when I think of it with the story I just told you, it was an unresolved or a trigger, you know, with past insecurities of feeling like, I'm not good enough or I'm not capable of this. I needed a moment to tap back into myself and tell myself these negative thoughts that are arising again. You need to remove them and affirm yourself positively.
2: The war that we really be having with ourselves, like you said, like, will people accept it? Will it be Mm -hmm. good enough? And the truth is, if we do the best we can do on that particular day, then it's good enough. Yeah. Because the truth is, it'll get better as we learn to do it. But we got to start to get better. And And the real struggle is not, do we like it? The struggle is, do we feel like other people like it? And the truth is, we can't base what we do off whether other people like it or not, because everybody ain't going to like it. You know, half of the time, people don't like stuff until somebody else like it. And if you know that's the truth, then do whatever you want to do. Find somebody who does like it and then get them to get other people to like
0: Like. it. Right. Right. Yeah.
2: But but it's really and I like I I take that from. the four agreements as well, which is- That's do your on best. my
0: list to read,
2: yeah. Yeah, one of the agreements is just to do your best. Do your best on that particular day and go to sleep every day knowing that you did your, that. You did all that you knew to do. Your real challenge, a real war, is when you go to sleep knowing that you didn't do all that you know to do.
0: So our last word is love.
2: I used to think love was sacrifice. Now, ultimately, I think love is too big to really define what I know now about love is that love is an action word. Love is something that you do. And so what I always teach my daughter and what we always recite, affirmation we recite to ourselves, is that love, love is something that you do to show appreciation or understanding. Appreciation when a person is doing well and understanding when they're not. That allows me to offer myself appreciation and it allows me to offer myself understanding. So we re- we're removing the judgment. And offering myself understanding on days when I'm having difficulties, mm-hmm. offering myself love and offering myself appreciation on the days when I'm doing well. I speak to the higher qualities within myself, even mm-hmm. on the days when I when I might be feeling low. I still speak to myself as if. And because I can do that to me, I can do that to you, Shane. Days on the days when you're not necessarily operating at your best, I can still speak to your greatness. I don't classify you based off that moment. I classify you based off who you really are. To me, that's mm-hmm. love.
0: Tell us about your current projects, musically and community-wise.
2: My, my company, one of them, is called, the, but the biggest one, the umbrella company is called With Great Care. And our, our goal is to push a thought process in the world. And that thought process is that we don't strive to do great things. We do everything with great care, purpose, and intention. And, and our hope is to be a, a, a world leader, in a sense, under that thought, right? Pushing this, this identity across the world to organizations, leaders, individuals, families, et cetera, about what does it look like to operate with great care? What does that mean? All right. What mm-hmm. is how what is that excellence? What what level of love is that? What level of intentionality? What level of community work? And so we activate that right now we activate that on three platforms, just business, education, and entertainment is our focus. And, and the real reason why we do that is because that's me, right? I'm a businessman, educator and an entertainer. And so there's a few different things that we do. One I have a school program called the Hope Campaign that I do in multiple schools. I have a few schools in Baltimore that I work with, a few schools here in D.C. that I work with, and I continue to do that. And so that's the educational work. Musically, I'm always in a space and I love music, but I haven't really, really been creating music recently because of the level of quality and excellence that I want to move with and how costly it is. Um, so my real focus right now, what I'm really focused on is making sure that the music that has already already been released gets heard. I'm in full time marketing mode, right? With great care, uh, the Working and Winning project was released July 12, 2019, and it's still brand new to somebody. You know? Yep. I don't know if you've heard the whole album shape, but if you're having this brand new to you the opportunity to, to, if you like, you know, if anybody likes what I said on this podcast today, then know that those that energy is in that music. And uh, the other thing is clothes, man. So I have my own apparel company with great care. So you can see really quality stuff, you know, even with this clothing line, I'm just spreading that idea. Like, what does it look like, right? To wear to wear something that speaks for a belief that you stand for. And I think we're getting to that place too, where more of us are buying clothes that have that-, that A each, statement. A statement that we mm-hmm. believe in. But what does it look like to let people know before they get to you that you operate with great care And they need to treat you with great great
0: care. care. I I love that.
2: What are we really saying? We're really saying love. I operate with love. Treat me with love. Operate with me with love. Everything we do is with with care, with quality, with love. That's what it's about.
0: So where can we follow
2: your work? If you really want to tap into everything, just go to withgreatcare.com. And once you get to withgreatcare.com, you'll find everything else. You'll find me. You'll find the apparel line. You'll find the whole campaign.
0: Just thank you so much for agreeing to have this conversation. Thank you for your transparency. Thank you for telling us your story and even dropping what I believe to be a lot of gems for our listeners and even for myself. In the midst of talking to my guests, I'm also continuing the discovery process. So,
2: well, I appreciate you. You know, it's mutual. Thank you. Um, mm-hmm bringing me here for uh, seeing the value in me enough to have me on your podcast and i wish you so much success and love and growth with it
0: thank you same to you same to you
1: to ask for help don't mean you shift about it that just mean you love your life wanting your vice you rolling dice if you don't get about it we handle problems and forget about it i learned this lesson a few years ago and see every night, ain't want the tears to flow I was trying to numb the pain, I couldn't feel me To get through it, I had the right, so I wrote, Heal me, Lord Heal me, Father oh, Heal me, Father me. Father, don't
0: nobody understand me. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope you've gained some knowledge, insight, and clarity in this moment, creating your own inner discoveries. Tune in again with new episodes released every Tuesday. And most importantly, head over to SheDiscoveredPodcast on Instagram to interact with me and receive more tips and info relating to all topics discussed. As always, you are appreciated.